This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our September 13th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and as usual, I'm excited for this hour to hear you. I love hearing your questions and your comments and giving you sound advice that will help you become a better investor. Give you unbiased perspectives developed with over 20 years of investment experience. And we're going to talk about the market performance. We're going to run down some show topics, but we're going to answer our first question right away. So we're going to do that right now at 888 chart Hi there. I really like your program. I have one question regarding GTC. I do like the technicals. I look at earnings. It uh, looks very promising. I haven't purchased it. It's on my uh, watch list. I wanted to know your thoughts about GTC. George, Peter, Charlie, I will listen for your answer on the podcast. Thank you so much for all your help. All right, this is Genuine Parts. It's about a $20 billion market cap. What do they do? They distribute auto, industrial, and industrial and replacement parts, office products, and electronics. And But its its main business is automotive parts. That's about uh, two-thirds of sales. And they did very well when it was hard to get cars. You know, there was a, there was a shortage, chip shortage, and uh, we're still in an environment where auto supply is relatively limited. And in that environment, when it's very expensive to get a new car or a used car that maybe is newer than what, what you own, it makes more sense to replace those parts. And that's what you've seen here. And that's why their business really boomed. 2019, they only made $5.31, but in 2021, up to six ninety one, $8.31 last year and expected to be $9.23 this year. But that growth is slowing, and you've seen that the last couple of quarters. All last year, even in late 2021, double-digit revenue growth, earnings growth in the mid-20% range. But last two quarters, revenue growth only 6% and 9%, and then earnings growth only 11 and 15%. So you're seeing that growth slow. And while I don't think... We're going into an environment where it's great to buy a car and inventory is suddenly robust. It's certainly a, a more balanced market than it has been. And that's going to, going to make it easier for people to replace their cars. And eventually they have to do that anyway. So I see this as a mean reverting earnings picture. And the technicals are saying the exact same thing. This peaked back in the fall of last year, right around $188 per share, and it continues to make a series of lower highs and lower lows. Now it's at $148 per share. So it's been a controlled pullback. It's been not dramatic, but the technicals are certainly weak, and I'm not getting any indication now that this is going to reverse in the near term. So 
I need to find some level of capitulation, major support, and let me give you what that major those major support levels will be. Pull this up here. So the first major support, 135, 135, 148 now. That's going to be some nice, solid support. Where would better support be? About 120 in that range. And that's from a technical perspective. From an earnings perspective, I want to see some steadiness here. Are they really at a structurally higher earnings level? Next year, earnings are expected to be $10 per share. That's nearly double pre-pandemic levels. Is that reality? It doesn't feel like reality to me. And so I would still be on the sideline. It's a very good company. Company I, I is on our watch list of good businesses. Return equity right now is 31%. But longer term, that return equity tends to be in the high teens. And so I expect that to return to the high teens. And then I would say, okay, now this is a normal environment. This is what I can expect from earnings going forward. I don't expect this level of earnings. And so I'm passing on GPC, genuine parts for now, but certainly on the watch list. Now we have a lot to cover over the next 45 minutes and we're going to touch on our main focus point, And that is, is it possible that demand for oil, gas, and coal will peak by 2030? That's what a new report coming out of the IEA, the International Energy Agency, is saying so we're going to look at that report. Also, assumable mortgages. Assumable mortgages. About 22% of active mortgages are part of government programs that can be assumed, meaning hey, if there's a 3 you have a 3% mortgage, you can have somebody who wants to buy your home assume that mortgage and keep that 3% rate as opposed to having to replace it with a new rate around 7% now. And I want to dig into that because it's could be a feature that will benefit a lot of listeners. Also, the tax cuts. And if you know this, 2017 tax cuts, we're talking about six years ago now. Guess when they expire? The end of 2025. So we're much closer to the potential, potential end of the tax cuts than we are the start of them. But what's the reality? How realistic is it for the tax cuts to be rolled back? We're going to look at that. And then lastly, if we have time, the data revisions on economic economic data that's come out this year has been quite interesting, especially when you look at the jobs number. Every jobs number has been revised lower this year. The non-farm payrolls number. So we're going to look at that as well. But most importantly, we're going to get to your calls, your voice bank questions. One is in regards to student loans and the other on Massimo, M-A-S-I is the symbol. And we're going to fit in an iTunes review question as well. Now let's talk about the market performance for today. It was a fairly mixed day overall. Let me pull up the numbers here. Sometimes my computer likes to be a little slow. I'll pull up another data point. Okay, the S&P was up five points. Pretty much a flat day. The NYSE, a much broader index, that was actually down 27 points. So large caps were up very modestly. 
And small caps were down about 75 basis points. So that was uh, certainly weakness there. We had the inflation data that came out today. And this was a very interesting day for the bond market. Why is that? It's because the jobs data, not the jobs data, the inflation data surprised to the upside. You had the CPI month over month up 0.63%. That was the highest level that we've seen really since summer of last year. And then we had the core CPI, the core inflation number, that was up 0.28%. More modest, certainly, but certainly higher than expected. And you would think on that news that interest rates would go up, right? Inflation surprised the upside. The expectations for Fed rate hikes will probably intensify. But that did not happen. The 10-year started up early in the day, up a few basis points, peaked at 4.33, and closed at 4.25. Pretty big reversal on the day. Close near the lows. So for me, this was a bullish day for bonds, oddly enough. And when you get this type of action, meaning bad news after a run like this in interest rates, and it actually reversed, tells me that I think we're very close to the peak, at least near term, in interest rates. So that was the message that I got from the markets today. Now, as we go to the break, let me tell you about the new Invest Talk Classroom series, streaming for free right now over on our YouTube channel. And the latest episode is called Value Traps, episode six. So just head over to YouTube and search the Invest Talk Classroom. And now my phone lines are open, waiting for your questions at 888 chart Justin Klein talks about the KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. I want to remind you that this is a time where you probably need some guidance and you're tuning in to try to get our view of the markets. And we only have an hour here. And and sometimes the way I distill each day can be maybe not enough, maybe not enough time. And so our premium newsletter is a great tool for especially newer investors trying to learn some things. The KPP Financial Premium Newsletter comes to your mailbox every Saturday. Learn how to analyze the market. Learn what the economic numbers mean. Learn how to manage a portfolio. Maybe get an idea of what are good companies to be at least looking at. Maybe you don't buy it today, but you should always have a watch list of companies that, hey, these are interesting. These have good businesses. And if they get the right price, maybe I should buy them. So our newsletter is a great tool for that. Subscribe anytime at investtalk.com. Steve Peasley are ready to take on your finance and investment questions. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99 Chart. Hi, I'm calling about your outlook and thoughts on Massimo Corporation, M A S I. It's uh, dropping. I'm wondering if it's a falling knife situation or. They can find some uh, support here and uh, start going back up if it's a buying opportunity. Thanks. Bye. 
Well, is it a falling knife situation? Absolutely. Uh, we had a call yesterday on another stock. I forget the name, but the relative strength was nine. And I said, anytime you have the relative strength in single digits, it is a falling knife. And Massimo is the same way. It's relative strength is also nine. This has gone from nearly $200 per share back in April to $100 per share today. 101 spot 31 to close today. So it's down 50% in just a matter of months. So that is not a good situation. And it's another example, I believe, of reverting to the mean. Earnings pre-pandemic were $3.22 last year, $4.59. But this year, earnings are supposed to go all the way down to $3.42. Last quarter, earnings were down 54%. Revenues were down 19%. Now, what does Massimo do? Well, it's it's in the healthcare space. Uh, Actually, it's local here in Southern California. I actually know somebody at Irvine, California, really close to me. I actually know somebody who works for them. Haven't uh, talked to them in a while, but uh, I do know somebody over there. And they they make te- te- technology solutions for the, the healthcare space. So non-invasion patient monitoring, hospital automation, connectivity solutions, remote monitoring services, uh, et cetera. So I like the company. But earnings, once again, I mean reverting. Now, let me look at a longer-term chart and try to find some level. Well, because this actually peaked, if you look at it, I just zoomed down the chart, peaked at 300. Now it's at 100. Peaked back in the fall of 2021. Oh, you really have to zoom back out. I feel like there, there has to be something deeper with this company, not just a mean reversion to fall 70%. Doesn't have a lot of debt on its balance sheet. I like that. Is there a lawsuit going on here? I feel like I haven't looked at this name in a while. Yeah, there's a shareholder lawsuit. I'd have to dig into this. Is this lawsuit, is there some sort of lawsuit, not just by shareholders, but by users of the product? I just don't see anything here technically that says it's going to turn around. And I don't like these these lawsuits. I'd have to dig in deeper to... Uh, really take a deep dive and understand whether this is going to turn around, but the technicals are not telling me that. So I'm passing on Massimo until I have an understanding of what's happening here. All right, we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime, leave your questions on the Best Talk Voice Bank. If you're listening to the live stream, you can call right now, or if you're listening on AM 1220 in Silicon Valley area, you can call now as well at 888-99-CHART. I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888-99 chart. Now remain focus point touches on a new report coming from the EIA, uh, sorry, the IEA. There's all these government agencies and they all have these uh, funky acronyms. But basically, this is a world energy outlook that is supposed to come out this October. And 
the projection is that the demand for fossil fuels like oil, gas, and coal will hit an all-time high and then start to decline before 2030. Just so we're talking six plus years from now. And there's always been talk about this. But the demand continues to power higher, mainly coming from emerging markets, but domestic markets or or developed markets as well. And so I think the big question is, is true? I personally doubt it. Now, this is an agency that was founded in 1974 after the 1973 oil crisis. And they do have a charter a clean energy charter, as well as global uh, covering old global energy transition. So they kind of have some skin in the game. They have bodies that are trying to push for the green energy transition. And that's mainly what they're pointing towards for the reason why the demand will peak. It's the development of clean energy technologies like solar panels, electric vehicles, as well as government policies around the world. And not just here in the U.S., but globally. China, for example, the largest consumer of coal. And they're investing in renewables and nuclear and nuclear energy as well. And then they add on top of that, something we've discussed in the past many times, the demographic decline in China, and thus... The demand for energy. The less people you have, the less energy you will need. They also point to growing adoption of electric buses and two- and three-wheeled scooters. That's something that I've seen a lot more of this. uh, What they call them? Super 73s. Electric bikes. I've seen those around a lot lately. They also see regulation, things like the rise of these of uh, heat pumps for temperature regulation in Europe. Uh, Europe is transitioning away from gas coming from Russia. So they're finding alternatives that include still fossil fuels, but also obviously a push towards renewables in some way, and maybe even a, a renaissance of nuclear. Now, they say the drop-off in fossil fuel demand will happen in advanced economies, developed economies, sooner than the emerging ones. And that makes sense. Emerging ones, they can't really afford the cost of renewables and even to build out nuclear. Some of them just don't have the technological know-how. So that makes sense. And so I think the, the the thing that's missing here is nuclear. If the world embraces nuclear, I think absolutely this probably is true. They can do that soon, right? Embrace that soon because it does take a while to get those projects up up and running. But to bank on our ability to get the raw materials in volume to actually wean ourselves off of fossil fuels and, and, and start that decline, I don't see that as reality. I really don't. We just don't have the basic raw materials to make that happen in a reasonable time frame in, in six years. And it takes a lot of fossil fuels to 
actually produce those end products as well. So while I do think we'll eventually get there because our the global leadership is pushing that way, unless nuclear is embraced, that's unlikely to happen. All right, let's get to a, an Invest Talk podcast review. And when people leave a review and ask a question, we'd like to get to those questions quickly. Now, Riley Meup says, does Great Lakes Dredge and Dock GLDD look like it will ever be a good investment? GLDD. Will they be able to take advantage of the latest push to improve infrastructure? It's on my watch list for now. I don't have much industrial exposure. Love the show and look to become a client someday. All right. Let's look at GLDD. This is a relatively small name, $507 million market cap. It peaked out around $15 in late 2021. Now it's at $7.61. Earnings this year are expected to be negative. After earning about a dollar in 2020, now what do they provide dredge services to government agencies, contractors, and corporations? Uh, Long-term, their business is just not that good. Return on equity right now is negative 11%. Five-year average is around 9 or 10%. And it vacillates in a big way. The technicals are pretty bad. So I see no reason why you want to buy this company. Of all the industrials that are out there, this would be very low on the list. All right, now the next Invest Talk, we'll look into the story fueling this question. Could an economic downturn in China affect your portfolio? That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime, 24-7, in the InvestTalk voice bank. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888-99-CHART. Good afternoon, Steve and Justin. This is Chris from Atlanta. I wanted to get your advice. When the school loan 
was, you know, frozen, bills were frozen, and there was a possibility for loan forgiveness, I decided to take those loan payments and I opened a Roth IRA to try to learn some investing and use that just in case the loans got paid off. And so, you know, money didn't kind of get thrown out the window. You know, I had the plan at the time when the school loan forgiveness was canceled or didn't go through to cash out of the, you know, Roth IRA and be able to pay off the school loans completely with the money in there. It's been less than five years. Do I pay taxes on it? Do I pay penalties? I just want to know the full circumstances of what I do. If I was to, you know, pull out, you know, my contributions over the last three years to pay off the $17,000 debt, and that would be the only real debt outside of a mortgage that I have after that. Look forward to your advice. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Now, on a Roth IRA, you can pull out the the initial contributions whenever you want penalty-free, but after the five years. And I believe it is a 10% penalty, if I remember correctly, if you don't wait out the five years. So if you're close to that, I don't know how long it's been. Maybe it's only been two. Maybe it's been three years. And you probably want to wait for those five years if you can and not pay that penalty. So that's what I would do if I were you. Thanks for the call. I was touch on assumable loans, assumable loans, and there are millions of Americans that have locked in 3% mortgage rates for 30 years. Call them the golden handcuffs, whatever you want to call them. Sweet deal, especially if you compare it to the rest of the world. Typically, rates only locked for two, three, five years maybe, but not 30 and if you want to get a new loan, you have to pay 7% typically. But as I said at the top of the show, 22% of outstanding mortgages in the U.S. are assumable, meaning the seller can transfer their mortgage to a buyer along with the house. And this is beneficial because you can sell the house for more, right? If if you're offering an assumable mortgage to whatever buyer comes knocking, clearly you're able to charge a bit more for that house. Now, they haven't gained much traction, assumable loans, and the actual number of assumable loans is still very, very low. And that's mainly because lenders, they don't make much money on them. There's a fee for it, but it's relatively small, and they make a lot more on Originating more mortgages, a new mortgage. So more work, less money. Doesn't sound good for the the lender, but still can be done. So loans extended through Department of Veteran Affairs, the Federal Housing Administration, FHA loans, those are able to be assumed. Now the FHA has processed 3,349 loan assumptions during this fiscal year through September 30th, that's up from 250, sorry, 2,566 last year in the same time frame. Now, there's a new company being launched. It's called Rome, R-O-A-M. They're launching in Georgia, Arizona, Colorado, Texas, and Florida. And they're basically saying, we'll do all the paperwork. We'll jump through the bureaucratic hoops for you for a fee. So they're working on behalf of both the buyer and the seller. 
Now, how do these work? Well, the buyer assumes the mortgage and any difference between the outstanding mortgage and the price, the buyer has to come up with. So say it's a $500,000 house. The mortgage balance is currently $300,000. The buyer would have to come up with $200,000. So still the... So, so that's higher, right? Then that 20% down, it's 40% basically effectively down. So a lot depends on the buyer, what that mortgage balance is. Can the buyer make that up? Now they can borrow the difference. They can go borrow that 200,000 or maybe a hundred thousand. They bring a hundred thousand to the table, et cetera, but they still have to take out another loan. So lenders tend to drag their feet. Once again, they don't make a lot of money. Uh, And there are some challenges. Not every seller wants to do this. For example, if you have a VA loan, until that VA loan is paid off, you can't go get a new VA loan. So there are some wrinkles here. But I think for a lot of people that want to sell their house, they're underestimating the value of that mortgage that they're paying on and their ability to allow a buyer to assume it. Now let's swing back to the Investock Voice Bank for a fresh question from 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve and Justin. Thank you very much for your show. I had a question on Kava, that's C-A-V-A, cat, apple, and apple. I was thinking about investing in this company. They had recently hit their 52-week low. I checked their prospectus their financials and I noticed that if you back out the depreciation because that that sort of expense has already been purchased through fixed assets if you back out their depreciation expense in their PL they actually end up having income or, or, or in a sense having made money and they actually did pretty well this quarter and I'm thinking maybe the buy time for this company would be around twenty nine dollars I'm hoping maybe twenty eight. I think it can probably go lower. Just wanted, wondering to see what you guys thought about this company as far as what a good price would be to, to buy into this company. So thank you very much and have a wonderful day. Thanks. All right. This is Kava Group and they operate 263 restaurants across 22 states. They plan to up, open 44 more this year. And this is a recent IPO back in June, right around 40, low 40s. Now it's at 35 and change. It did get up all the way to 57 and change. And it started to roll over. And remember, there's a lockup period. Typically, it's six months. We're not quite there yet. Uh, and I would want to get past that. I want to wait probably at least a year to buy this. Remember, IPOs, I'm not a huge fan of IPOs. I've said this a million times. And, and if you look at the data, it backs it up. Buying IPOs, typically a bad endeavor once you go out a year plus. Why? Because when companies are selling themselves to the public, you think they're going to do that at a cheap price? No, they're going to do that at an advantageous price. Just think about yourself. You, If you got to choose when you want to sell something, do you think you're going to sell that position at a time where the price is low, where the company is cheap? No. You don't want to cash out at a pretty nice comfy price especially if you founded the company or you're an early investor or early employee 
And you put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in building this business. So no, this is a typical IPO. It's rolled over and it's not making any money. Although last quarter it did, it was profitable. I'll say that. But I've seen this a lot. Companies go IPO, they were losing money, and then they, they spin a story. They, they jump through hoops to make it look like things are on the up. And they're suddenly going to be profitable. And that's what investors can expect. And that's why you should pay this high price. And more often than not, you know, it lasts for a couple quarters and then it reverses. So until I find some consistency in the stability of earnings, I'm passing on it. That was Kava, C-A-V-A. All right, let's keep things moving. Let's do two in a row from the Investock Voice Bank at 888.99 chart. Shannon in Florida. It's a long-time listener. I haven't called in a while. But question about um, Roth IRAs. Basically, this year, my wife and I have had each our own separate Roth IRAs for a while now. We are getting, we're, you know, married, filing jointly for the taxes. And we're, at this point, we're going to be making too much money now to continue tr- contributing to a Roth IRA. So I, I do have a 401k with my company. Well, at what point do we just, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. It'll happen at the end of, I guess, where I do my taxes or at the end of the year. But at what point do I stop contributing to the Roth? Or how does that whole transition happen? And then if you could add to that kind of what should I do from here, I mean, as far as maxing out my 401k or my company stock option with 15% off or do an IRA or something, what, what do you think we should pivot to? Uh, I'd appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, look forward to your call on the podcast. All right. So first off, congratulations. Things are looking up. You're starting to make some more money and an unfortunate side effect of that for many people is that they can no longer make that Roth contribution, Roth IRA contribution. There are income limits to that. And the answer to your first question is what should you do? You should stop making that contribution because if you are ineligible, you're going to need to roll back those Roth contributions. It's kind of a pain. You have to file paperwork. It's not fun. So I would stop right now and talk to your accountant. And you, once again, you might have to roll that back uh, sometime between now and tax day. Then what should you do? Well, first off, number one, IRA, sorry, 401k matching contribution. Make sure you're getting that full contribution there. Then look at a Roth because there are there there is potentially an option for a Roth 401k contribution. So talk to your accountant about that. Uh, I like the 15% off your company stock. I think that's pretty nice. If you are comfortable with your company stock, if the company's doing well and things are looking up, 15% is a nice discount for as long as it's a stable name, not something that's uh, in a big down downtrend. Uh, and then beyond that, just a traditional IRA. Make more money, probably going to a higher tax bracket. That write-off might do you well. So that's the way I would think about it. Thanks for the call. Now we're almost halfway through September, the last month of the third quarter. So the year's moving fast. And Steve and I have been telling you for a while that this is a new market regime. Lots of government spending, higher interest rates, a very debt-laden economy. And that means inflation. Inflating away the debt. That's how they do it. It's a lot easier than a deflationary spiral. Like 08. Governments have PTSD. Just like we do. As people. We're all people. We're all humans. And so that brings in that new environment. 
that you need to get used to. And so if you need help, you need some guidance, well, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our company, KPP Financial, where we operate the same philosophy, which is independent thinking and shared success. We also practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And you can schedule a call with me by heading over to investtalk.com, clicking on the portfolio review button on the top right, filling that out, and we will get back to you. Or you can call our office at 800-557-5461. The sooner we get connected, the sooner we can help you get your portfolio optimized. Now let's touch a bit on the tax cuts. And... The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act 2017, they're they're scheduled to expire after 2025. That means right after the election, whoever wins, they're going to have to address this. Now, President Biden has called the law expensive and a failure, an unjustified giveaway to the wealthy, while Republicans have promised to extend all the tax cuts. And they think they're an economic success. And just like most things, the reality is somewhere in the middle. And But the reality of rolling these tax cuts back is pretty low. Even if Biden is reelected, his budget says they're extending most of those tax cuts. And he has promised to avoid raising taxes on anyone making under $400,000. So that's about 80% of the benefit of the tax cuts. Now he's proposing sharp tax increases on the top 2% of earners. But once again, that's a proposal. Biden's a, is a compromiser. He tends to come somewhere in the middle. Now, the, both parties agree, Social Security, Medicare aren't to be touched. But they also agree that middle income earners, taxes shouldn't go down. So there's kind of a political equilibrium here on middle and professional, middle class taxes and spending in conjunction with business to get economic uh, endeavors passed or, or uh, created, such as the CHIPS Act, the Inflation Reduction Act. That was partnership with big business. Now, the effective rate tax rate on the middle 60% of the population fell from 19% in, seven, in 1979 to 14% in 2019. So the tax cuts certainly helped. The top 1%, their tax, effective tax rate went from about 34% down to about 30 The middle quintile went from about 15% to about 14%. And the lowest quintile went from about one to, or 2 to 1. Now, the deficit continues to go up. And I've said this before. This is an environment where in, deficits are going to explode. It's about 6%. GDP. If we rolled back those tax cuts, 2017 tax cuts, the deficit would decline by about 40%, four zero. Right now it's about 1.5 trillion. So it'd be cut below a trillion. So very interesting, but I don't think the tax cuts are going anywhere, especially for those 
earning about 400000 or less. All right, going to a break. 88.99 chart. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin. I have a quick question on the stock SoFi. Justin mentioned on Tuesday that a lot of customers are going to be moving out of their big banks and moving to the more regional banks. And I was looking at SoFi and I've had SoFi. I picked up around $6 and I've had some nice gains on it. It's not come off. It's $10 high, down to $8. It looks like it had some potential move up. I appreciate the uh, analysis. Thanks. Are you looking at SoFi? I'm not sure uh, investors are, are – I don't think depositors are doing that. I don't know what uh, what I said, but that's hopefully not what uh, you interpreted. Uh, usually investors or our depositors are moving money from the smaller banks to the larger banks because of the, the banking crisis a few months back. But SoFi is obviously a fintech name that – focuses on gaining deposits and operating without branches, et cetera. Uh, but they've always lost money. Now, they're scheduled to lose only a penny next year, which will be the best showing uh, in the history of the business, which isn't a whole lot to say, but certainly better than nothing. Uh, the technicals are improving. They've The stock has gone from about $5 per share back in May all the way to $8.80 today. It did hit a peak at the end of July around $11.50. So it's been consolidating in this called $8 to $10 range since the beginning of June. And technically, that is a positive. It's above the 100 and the 200-day moving average, so that's good. But I don't love the earnings picture. So, uh, and, and growth is slowing a year ago. Revenue growth is 57%. Now it's only 37%. So I just don't love it here. It doesn't get me excited uh, due to that earnings picture. I think there are better fintech names that will have better growth and profitability in the long term. So I'm going to pass on SoFi. All right, let's touch a bit on economic data. And it's been pretty interesting recently. And that's because the the jobs numbers throughout the entire year have basically continually been downgraded. It comes out with a headline number, and the next month they revise the previous months down sharply. So far this year, there's been about a quarter million fewer jobs than had the headline had been reporting. Now, this turns out to be relatively good for stocks, right? Less pressure for profit, uh, profits uh, by, by rising wages and less need for higher interest rates. And this is not a trend that is unique to the U.S. Happened in the U.K. as well. The growth in the economy of the U.K. post-Brexit and post-COVID said a lot about, hey, this is the worst economy in Europe. But in reality, it's now beating Germany. And growing in line with France due to these revised figures. Now, the big issue here has to do with surveys. A lot of economic data, a lot of these economic reports are simply surveys. And there's something called survey bias, selection bias. 
the type of people, the type of companies that are willing and able to fill out these surveys. And so the initial reported figures can mean a small sample size. And as time goes on, there's other tools besides just surveys that can get a better view of what actually happened in the economy. But most people, most investors don't focus on the revisions. They focused on the latest sexy number. And this is nothing new. You go back to the summer of 2011, the labor market looked like it stalled. The Wall Street Journal reported headline job growth grinds to a halt. Stocks fell on that day. But later revisions said new jobs are actually being created at a healthy clip, 133,000 jobs. When previously that report was uh, uh, zero jobs in the month of August of 2021. I'm sorry, 2011. So instead of unemployment going up, it actually went down. Same thing happened in 2015. Wall Street Journal reported economic growth of only 0.2%. It was later revised to 3.3%. So when you're looking at the economic data, make sure that you understand where this is coming from. Is this actual data or is this survey data? And survey data, called soft data, is a lot less reliable than those hard numbers. All right, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. And it's official. We have surpassed the 55.6 million download mark since it all began. And be sure to check out the Invest Talk Classroom series on our YouTube channel. Just search Classroom Series and Value Traps, our latest episode. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.